This is the Horse Radio Network. How much therapy is too much? This week, we're talking about the million and one ways you can pamper your equine athlete. We'll break down what we've tried and what actually works. The USCF is taking a stand on cannabis and horses. And have you ever met a girl who can run like a horse? Thanks for tuning in. From Heels Down Mag, a podcast where horse pros chat about what's happening in the horse world over drinks. Welcome Welcome to Happy Happy Hour. Hour. I'm Justine Griffin. I'm Jessica Payne. And I'm Ellie Wozniaka. Welcome to episode 49 of Heels Down Happy Hour. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hi. Not bad. How are you doing? Is it finally warming up, Ellie? Yes. Yes, it's finally dry, but like I feel bad saying that because it'll probably now thunderstorm tomorrow or something. (laughs) But Justine and I are in the heat. I mean, it is hot down here. Super hot. Crazy hot already. It was like 80 degrees here yesterday, but thankfully today it's like 50. So that's better for me. No, no, that is way too cold. Yeah. Not warming up yet. 50 is not okay. (laughs) When you said 80, I was like, wow, that sounds nice. I'm like, that's great. Oh God, no, 80. I was like, oh no, 80 is, I like 55, 60. That's perfect. No, no, too cold. cold. (laughs) Way too cold. Way too cold. Well, this episode is brought to you by Flare Strips. You guys know how much I love our Flare Strips. We use them all the time cross-country, and they're developed by veterinarians. Their spring-like action gently supports the soft tissues over the nasal passages to reduce the airway resistance and improve airflow on your horse. So you can use them from everyday use to five-star cross-country, show jumping, all of the above. So... From the Facebook group, which I love the Facebook group that everybody gives us input, Marguerite actually mentioned one of my favorite all-time drinks that I actually do a little substitution. It's a French 75, and a traditional French 75 is one and a half ounces of gin, three quarters ounce of fresh lemon juice, three quarters ounce of simple syrup, and one to three ounces of champagne, depending on how your glass is, how big the glass is. But like I've always told you guys, I don't, I'm not really a gin drinker. I was at this really cool bar a couple years back and they actually had a French 75 with vodka the exact same way. And oh my gosh, it turned me into a, I love me a good French 75 with some vodka. So all you guys do is put all the ingredients in a shaker with ice, shake it for 20 seconds, put it into a champagne glass and you can garnish with a lemon peel. It's phenomenal. Ooh, it sounds so good. That's like a great summer drink. It's so light. Oh, it's so good. Definitely sounds better with vodka. I'm also, I'm just afraid of gin. I've had bad experiences with gin. (laughs) I just, I don't know. I've just never really loved the taste of it. So we were at some, this really cool, like dive bar type thing in Raleigh with a bunch of friends and a girlfriend of mine was like, loves French 75s. And I was like, yeah, I don't really do that because the gin and on their menu, it had it with vodka. And I was like, oh, done. I'll take that one. So now I always, um, if I'm in a mood for it, like you said, like a summer springtime drink, I just say, please substitute the gin for vodka. Interesting. I, yeah. It feels like it feels like it can be dangerous, though, because there's just like a little oh. bit of liquor in it. Uh, you know what I mean? Where you're like, you Ooh. don't taste it. It's really, really bad. it's very very dangerous so it tastes like heaven so it is very dangerous is the problem so you guys will have to try it out 
So Ellie, you have a crazy, crazy news topic today. Yeah. So I've basically been traumatized this past week by (laughs) these viral videos of a woman from Germany running around and jumping like a horse. And like, don't get me wrong. Like I can, I totally respect what she can do on all fours. Like I did embarrassingly try it like in my kitchen just to like see if I could do it. And (laughs) I can't, I couldn't do it as a short stirrup rider. And I definitely can't do it now with this beer belly thing I've got going on. But Anyway, so I appreciate her athleticism, but it doesn't change the fact that these videos are terrifying. Like, it looks like something out of an exorcism. It just, like, really freaks me out. I have to post the video because you guys have got to take a look. Like, there, I think there are quite a few different ones going around, but I saw one of, like, the girl jumping the picnic table. Yeah, that's the freaky one. Yeah, so this isn't, like, like an adult. But this isn't like hobby horse where they're running around with like the stick horse between their legs. She's like on all fours, right? On yeah. all fours. And that's the part that's scary. I don't know. Like it's kind of cute when like, you know, little kids and like jodhpurs and bows do it. And like there was one girl who was like, you know, probably like 12 or 13 on like Steve Harvey's Little Big Shots show. And she kind of jumped around like a little course. Like that was more hobby horse-esque. But this, I'm just having nightmares, honestly. It's just freaky. I don't like it. So I watched it and it it is kind of bizarre when you when you watch it and go, okay, I can see like the horse like mechanics of this, how she like rock she like rocks back on her hind yeah. end. It jumped and stuff. Yeah. It's kind <laughs> of puts her and pulls her hands up to her like her chest, like she's got good form in all of this. But um, <laughs> yeah. a little with Ellie, it's super creepy. Yeah, and also, like kicked out her hind end. It was I didn't like. Yeah, it. <laughs> how do you get good at that? I just you know do you, you just do it enough that you're good because I, I feel like I do yoga a lot and I don't think I could be good at that. <laughs> no, no, I definitely don't have the talent for that. I just don't so, know like how much time would be required to get good at that. You know, yeah, I don't know if I have that much weird. free time. <laughs> exactly. Speaking <laughs> of social media. So we had talked about it a while back, Ellie, before you came on that with Facebook cracking down on selling, you know, horse ads and all that or posting them, they were removing them and it kind of dwindled off that they never really did it, but they're actually cracking down on it now. Like they're removing actual groups. They're making sure there's like no sales posts for any types of animals. So it's kind of alarming because I think a lot of people, it's a good way to get you know, the horses out there and stuff like that as a sales perspective. But I guess Facebook is actually now cracking down and going to actually enforce it. So I remember we wrote a story on Heels Down Mag about this in 2017, and it just like blew up, like people freaked out. And I think you nailed it on the head, Jess, that there are just so many trainers that use, you know, Facebook is like the social network of everything, right? Like every part of your life is on Facebook. Yeah. So I think it's become such a, a life source for people who sell horses, right? Instead of, po- remember the days where you used to have to like take out an ad on dreamhorse.com? Yeah. Like that, oh. is, that is over because yeah. Facebook ruined that. But now I wonder what people are going to do if they're really going to be cracking down on this. Yeah. I mean, it's, I know Caroline Martin actually sold majority of our horses through social media. Like I'd asked her and I was like, how are you selling all these horses? You know, what are you doing? She's like, I promise you, it's just through social media. So I don't know if people are going to go to another platform or, you know, doing it more in their stories or different ways. You know what I mean? Like basically just putting clips. I don't know. Maybe there's a way to kind of get around it or something. Right. You have to be creative to beat the algorithm, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, like I've noticed for sale. 
Yeah, I've noticed a lot of people like kind of putting spaces between like for sale and stuff so like it doesn't register. And then they also like use words instead of the number for like their price. Like I've noticed that kind of like, you know, stuff going on. And I'm always like, why, why is that typed out? And then I'm like, oh, because Facebook's going to get you. Because they'll, yeah, (laughs) actually get it. So, but yeah, one time I tried to sell this like Western saddle just like to my friend's group. And it wouldn't let me because I mentioned like horse in the Mm -hmm. ad and -hmm. it was like, you can't sell this. I'm like, but it's a piece of equipment. (laughs) Like it's not a horse. So that happened to me too, actually, or I had to, like, I was flagged and I had to, you know, respond to it and go like, this is not an actual animal, but I worry about, cause there are so many Facebook groups that are literally just to sell horses. Yeah. Right. So how is that going to affect that? Are they just going to close all these groups? That's what they said. They're like starting to put, like start to remove groups. Like they've already been removing groups that just sell horses. So it's kind of scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I I like like I don't. I've never bought a horse off of Facebook, but I'm like I follow a lot of those groups. I probably shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> but I really think it's like I don't know. I feel like more confident in like talking to somebody because I can Facebook stalk them like right then and there. Like it's easily connected to it. You know. I don't right. have to like go on Big Eck and like. Google search these people and like try to find out if they're reputable or not. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good point. So Facebook's in the wrong, I think. I think so. So Justine, you have hippie kind of twist for news item. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm sure most people have seen by now, but the U- USCF has taken a stance on cannabis and horses. And, you know, the whole idea of CBD, which comes from hemp, which is part of the cannabis plant, has, you know, been blowing up. I literally just read a story about how a company is making CBD tampons. So you can literally what? put a tampon with cannabis in yourself for health benefits. Uh, that's a whole other story. Exactly. I'm so confused. <laughs> I, can't, I don't think I can get behind that one. Yeah. No, no it's... It's sort of spiraling out of control. It's like an industry that like I, I cover it for the newspaper. So uh, it's an industry that's like that's just ballooned before yeah. the, the government could really catch up to it with, you know, regulating it. And so the mm-hmm. USCF, you know, obviously in horses, you're seeing I see people post on Facebook all the time, like who uses CBD? What does it do? And um, there are different companies that make CBD oils. Um, I know there are hemp companies that make bedding that's made out of hemp for horse stalls. But so the USCF said starting in September this year, they're going to start testing for cabinoids. Cabinoids are what, you know, like the, the basically what you will, what will come up in a drug test for, for cannabis. Well, and, and the scary thing is, is it's any bit like you can't use the hemp oil because there's still 0.003 of the, how okay. it comes with okay. the cannabis. Right. So what they're, what they're saying is the THC, which, you know, most hemp has a very, very small amount of THC, but that's the psychoactive ingredient in in cannabis. Mm -hmm. So like when people smoke pot, that's what gets you high in CBD. Like, you know, like you said, Jess, there's not a ton of THC in it, but people are selling CBD products saying that it helps with, you know, it's a calming supplement. It helps with joint care. It helps with muscle recovery. So it has these anti-inflammatory properties. Possibly, you know, there, there's not really a ton of science out there yet. It's still so new. So anyways, both the, the USCF and it looks like the FEI list natural cannabinoids, synthetic cannabinoids, and other cannabinoid metrics as prohibited substances. So 
basically you could your horse starting in September, if you're showing at that level where they're going to test your horse, if you're using a CBD product, you could get in trouble essentially. So, so they do have this like nice little note at the very end of their (laughs) press release about it. That says like, if you're a human and you're going to, you know, be using CBD, uh, that's a whole different ball game. And they still subject any athlete under the world anti-doping code. So basically, uh, CBD is out for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I've never used it like for myself or for my horses. But I know that there's a horse that belongs to the college I went to for undergrad that has really bad starcoids. And they actually use CBD oil on his sarcoid, like in his ear. I mean, it's like it started, you know, the size of a quarter and now it's like a golf ball. But so they started using this and it's actually helped it tremendously. Wow. Like to go down. Really interesting. Yeah. And I've never heard of anything like that at all. Yeah, that's that's unbelievable. I mean, I wrote a story about uh, cannabis and, and products being used in horses like a couple years ago, maybe two years ago for Heelstown Mag. And I interviewed plenty of riders who swear by it, who said it helps. It helps with weight gain. It helps with anxiety. It helps with all kinds of things, whether that's a placebo effect or whether that's actually doing something is very anecdotal. I think we got to see like larger studies on lot, yeah. you know, bigger populations of horses to really understand what it means. But it's interesting that the USCF is taking a, a stand pretty early on, I would say, and you know what I mean, in CBD use. Yeah, so absolutely. we'll see if maybe it changes in the future. Who knows? But um, there's one one quick last news item I wanted to bring up with you guys. Did you see this interview with Eric LeMay's The Canadian Show Jumper? Yes. About coming yeah. back after having a brain tumor? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, it was so sad. And he was actually pretty quiet about it when it happened. You know, when like it I, happened, no one really knew. Like we had kind of heard, but not not a ton. Right, exactly. And so it was like right after WEG last year, all of a sudden he yeah. kind of went, he kind of laid low for about six months. And then uh, uh, a French sports news channel in Canada recently interviewed him and he talked about what that time was like. Uh, he's back riding again. Uh, I think people started seeing him come back around February this year. So he's back in the game. Obviously he's feeling better, but his interview was really touching. I mean, that's gotta be pretty scary. And we'll link to that in the show notes. So you guys can read it if you haven't seen it yet. And if you want to hear more news and commentary from the heels from heels down mag, you should really subscribe to the heels down brief. This week, we've done a really fun campaign called Therapies Week, where we've uh, selected five different types of therapies people use on their horses, basically athletic therapies that, you know, help with recovery and help with performance. And we broke them down about what the science says, how they work, how to use it, why people use it in the brief every day this week. We have a lot of really cool things coming up in the brief, so you should sign up and you can do that by going to bit.ly slash HD brief. So Ellie, as our token Western rider, <laughs> Eagle Gold, who, which is a, you know, it's been a longtime supporter of our show, uh, recently came out with a line of Western pads. So, you know, historically, they've always been an English dis- discipline company, but now they have a Western pad and you got to try it out, right? I did. And I'll be honest, I wasn't sure if I was going to like it. Like you guys have talked like so highly about it. So I was like, ah, I'm going to be a little skeptical. So like. I want to, you know, be, you know, as unbiased as I can. And I didn't know if it would actually work for my Rainer. So just a little background on him. He's like not super wide, but he's wider than normal full full quarter horse bars. 
in Western saddles. And he also is almost like mullen withered. He's got those stereotypical low, you know, quarter horse withers. And he's like wicked muscular through his back, which I'm not going to complain about. But it's definitely so in top of like a usual tacky bottom Western pad, I usually use like a breast collar when I do reining maneuvers just to make sure that everything stays in place. But I have to say, holy moly, this pad is amazing. Like, I know what you guys are talking about now. Like, I didn't use a breast collar. I ran fast circles, slow circles, lead changes. I did spins. Unfortunately, I couldn't stop because I haven't put his plates on for this season yet. But, like, it did not move at all. And I was I was shocked, honest to gosh. Because I also, like, sprained my ankle, uh, my left ankle, a couple bad times. And it's, like, never really healed properly. So I have a habit of leaning to the right. So if my, like my saddle sometimes, you know, switches over to that right and kind of pulls down. And like, that didn't even happen. I was honestly so shocked. And it was, I felt like, I don't know if you guys have felt this too, but like, I felt like he could feel more of my cues, like through my seat, because Mm -hmm. it wasn't moving around. Yeah. Yeah. So I like to do a lot of like, um, like bridal list stuff and stuff with him. And like, he just, I felt like I could like squeeze one butt cheek and he would lead change. And it was just like really cool. It was exciting. So Annie looks super sexy in it. So, so we've like now converted you. I've con- yeah. I like need to start saving up so I can get one for my hunt seat horse because I need one for all of them now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you feel like it fit under your saddle pretty well. Like it didn't affect the fit of your saddle. No, not at all. So like the normal pads that I use are 32 by 32 inches and then they have like an inch and a half um usually of padding so they're not like the like western saddle blankets they're like just a little thicker for more support and stuff and what i really liked about this too is it's an inch shorter in the back and my horse is really short backed so i usually have to pull the pad up you know almost too far in the front so it's not rubbing him you know on his haunches and like i didn't have to do that at all here and my favorite thing was like I mean, even though he doesn't have any withers, it's still nice because there's so much wither relief. Like, I could stick my entire hand in there and it never, like, went away. That's awesome. I'm so glad you like it. Yeah, I'm definitely a eco-gold believer now. Oh, no. Well, now I'm so glad they have Western ones. I'm going to have to, like you said, get one for my sister and save up, maybe surprise her for Christmas because that's all she does is Western. So might have to surprise her with a Western pad. Yeah. If you guys, Western or English, want to check out Eka Gold, go to ecagold.ca. So guys, when someone posted in our Facebook group recently this question. She just wanted to pull the whole group to find out the different schedules that people ride and how they fit in horses with their busy lives. And I thought it was it was a good thing for us to discuss because between the three of us, all of our riding is a little different, right? I mean, Ellie, you own your own yeah. farm and you operate your own business at your farm. Jess, obviously, you guys own your own farm too. And you compete and you have clients and you teach lessons. And then obviously Doug competes as well. And so you guys are on the road a lot. And then I'm just an amateur who works a very busy job. So I wanted to ask you, how many days a week do you actually get to ride? And how do you find your balance of like juggling other commitments, whether it's it's Hudson or maintaining your farm, Ellie, or like, how, do, how does that work for you? So Ellie, why don't you start? Well, for me, I think it so I, I kind of try to do rotations so that each horse gets done at least three days a week. Um, but so that way I'm not having to ride, you know, more than three horses in a day so that I can still have time to like 
because I'm going to grad school online right now and I'm, you know, trying to fix fence all the time. So there's like that kind of helps to make sure everybody kind of gets equal attention. But obviously, like the horses that I have in for breaking, you know, those I have to work you know, more frequently, like, you know, I usually work on five to six days a week, whether that's like, you know, long lining or lunging or, you know, but they need it. They need time, you know, unfortunately, my horses sometimes get pushed to the wayside. Um, I'm like, uh, if I walk them bareback from their stall to their pasture, that counts for today. I Definitely had to carry counts my, for today. I had to carry my butt for a little bit. Yeah. But what about you, Jess? Because I mean, with the schedule, that's probably crazy. So, we live by, so we all have Apple everything. So iPads, iPhones, Mac computers, all this, but we don't like the calendars on it. So we, they have this thing called Calendu. It's just an app, but we live by, it. it's a shared calendar. We have probably eight different calendars in it and then they're all labeled. And so you can go in, it's got ride times in it. It's got a barn calendar. It's got our lesson calendar. And we that's the only way we can stay organized, honestly, is so we live by that calendar. Everybody, I mean, like we joke if we have dinner plans, like between Doug and I, like whoever puts in the calendar first, like they get dibs. Like, sorry, you wanted to go to dinner with your friends. I put it in my friends first. So that's how like we first off, like schedule things is like everything's there. So then that kind of makes life easier if you can look at the calendar and then that's how we stay kind of structural and organized. And then balancing it, that's probably the biggest challenge of life, right? (laughs) So I, I am very lucky that when I'm home, I'm able to ride and stuff like that on the road. I haven't been competing a bunch. Like with Hudson, it's a lot. We're still trying to figure that out. Like I did compete my young horse, but then sent him down to get sold in Florida. So I actually, like I said, the one that I rode a couple weeks ago, I rode him for like a month or three weeks and then now we're about to leave for three weeks. So he's like about to go on another vacation. So like Ellie said, like he's been put on the back burner, but I keep a lot of the jumpers going and hunters. So when we're home, I'm riding those every day. So some days we're home three, four days a week. Some days we're home two days a week. So it kind of just varies. And then the nice thing at jumper shows, like I can ride them on days they're not showing. So it really is what we need is when I ride, honestly. And then lessons like when I have time and my clients are so great that, you know, like if I'm, I'm always home on a Monday, Tuesday. So they know Monday, Tuesday, like are jam packed with lessons for both Doug and I. So he schedules his lessons. I schedule mine, same thing. We put them in the calendar so that we're not teaching at the same place at the same time. Cause it kind of gets crazy, but basically we live trying to be as much organized as possible so that we can have a little bit of sanity. (laughs) So Jess, I have two questions. Yeah. First of all, does it, does your competition schedule, is it, I feel like you guys are like 24, seven, 365, or do you actually have a break? Is there like a period of time where you have like a, a break in your season? So we're coming on that right now. So the Van Diver horse went to Rolex or Kentucky, the horses went to Jersey and then we're doing the two L at Virginia this weekend. So after that, all the FEI horses for eventing is they're done and they go on like a little mini break. So that's kind of when we try to take a little mini vacation. So we're actually going in like two weeks going out to California to visit my brother. So we kind of, we'll try to get away to like keep our sanity and like enjoy time together and not with the horses. So 
we, this is getting to be our dead time, but then it picks right back up. So like, as soon as we get home, we're back showing an Aiken and for like planning our schedule our like I said, with Land Rover, Jersey and Virginia being the big FEI events, our eventers take place. So we basically lay on that calendar. We lay out the horse shows that like the eventers have to do. And then we go in between that and then put the jumpers in between that. And like basically what we're allowed to do is that's basically it. Like what weekends are there? Okay. What shows, you know, jumpers, you have more shows to pick from. So it kind of just works into what you can do. Okay. And so that makes my, sense. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. You guys are the busiest people I know, but <laughs> my next question is since you had Hudson, how does that eat up your time? Cause obviously you're a full-time mom too. So I've been really lucky. I kind of, uh, lucked into it. The lady that was cleaning our house um, had nannied prior. And so she started like one day a week and then it was two days a week. And now she's four days a week <laughs> that she comes and stays from 8am till noon. And so that I can get everything done. So I know that during that time, I don't have to like worry about who has them in the barn or whatever else, even though the girls are great. I mean, Courtney and all of them are amazing and they take care of them. Like Rebecca has them right now because Doug's teaching clinic, you know, like always everybody pitches in, but in the mornings when it's crazy, cause that's when we ride the majority of our horses. It's so nice to not worry about him. So Monday through Thursday, Chrisita comes and she's been like a lifesaver. So then I can get my horses ridden, teach my lessons, go to the grocery store, things like that, that I really have to do in that time without having to worry about taking him with me. Totally. And Um, then at horse shows, we play like pass the child around. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like, oh, you have him right now. Good. I'll be right back. (laughs) I feel like it's hard enough to like ride with two barn dogs that basically live outside. I can't imagine having a child. <laughs> yeah. And that's honestly why I haven't figured out how to compete like full time yet. And that's part of it. So until, you know, that kind of happens, then I'll figure it out. But right now it's okay. Doug's going to concentrate on competing and I'm going to still try to manage this whole life. <laughs> Well, and so, so Elliot, I wanted to ask you too. So, so I work at my farm, not a lot, you know, like one day a week, uh, maybe a couple more when people need someone to help out. And I feel like when I'm there to work, you know, do barn chores, feed, turn out, muck stalls, that kind of thing. It is really hard to also find time to ride when I'm trying to like maintain the farm that day. So how do you do it? Cause I just, I feel like that's a lot. Yeah, it's exhausting. I mean, luckily, so I grew up working at a barn that had like 60 head and I just did like, you know, feed and turn out. Thankfully, I didn't ever have to do stalls because that that's the part that is the worst, you know. But luckily, like I only have six horses here right now. And so that like that's like just the right amount of stalls, you know, like I still have some energy afterwards. Yeah. And like, so I, I like to I know I don't cut corners, but like I set everything up so I can be fast, like like graining and stuff like I set you know buckets before you know the night before or the day or the you know morning before and so that way I just have to you know actually dump them into the buckets and feed the horses and like I have like my I have my spreader hooked up to like my side by side and then I just drive the spreader through like 
you know, put all the poo in the spreader and then just immediately spread it. So I don't have to worry about like going back out to like fill the spreader from the manure pile. So I just, I mean, I can't do that in the winter. I have to pile it, but I mean, it just like kind of finding ways to little make things a little easier for myself. Yeah. And I'm lucky too. Like my boyfriend is very good about it. Like, and he'll help around the farm as much as he can. Like he works crazy hours cause he's an accountant. But, like, the stuff that I can't do by myself, you know, he's able to help. So, that is nice. So, so Justine, I have a question because, so, like I said, we get everything done in the mornings. Like, we ride first thing in the morning, and that's when I have, like, the most energy and everything else. But you, do you ride before work or after work? It sort of depends on the day. So, I don't have a, what you would call a normal office job. I I mean, most of the time it's fairly normal, but because I work in the news business, it just kind of depends on the day and it depends on the news that's happening that day. And then it also depends on, you know, like projects and things and meetings and all that. So there were periods of my life where like, and also it depends on the time of year, right? So summer one, it's really hot. And two, the the days are longer, so I have more light in the afternoon, right, to ride. So So in the summer, you ride in the afternoon? Most of the time, yeah. So, like, during the week, like, I ride two or three days in the evenings, you know, so. I don't know how you can do that. When it's hot (laughs) like this, I'm like, no. It's hard. I want to go to bed. It's hard. It's hard to stay motivated, you know what I mean? Especially, like, if I've had a crazy work day. Yeah. Half the time when I actually get out to ride during the week, I'm still like kind of technically working. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where I'll have to like, I keep my notebook in the, in my tack trunk. So if somebody calls me and I have to get a quote, I can write it down, you know, while I'm at the barn. How do you uh, stay motivated? Like when it's that hot and like, I mean, well, it is, is hard. So the summertime is, is my off season. Cause my horse doesn't okay. sweat real great. Right. I don't, I don't like to push him, but in the winter time, not this past year, cause I'm. I'm getting lazy as I get old, but uh, I have like ridden, like ridden in, at sunrise, you know, like in past years with other horses that it, like that had to be worked five days a week that I had, I would get up and ride at six in the morning, you know what I mean? And like be home in time to shower and go to work. So that's um, what I would do in the summertime. Oh, yeah. See, I'm not a morning person. I'm not guys, either. It's, <laughs> it's hard. That was really hard to do that, but I was very motivated at the time. I was also single. Life was a little bit easier, you know, so now <laughs> fair. Now I ride mostly in the evenings, sometimes in the mornings. And then most of my weekends are horses, you know, like, yeah, I put a lot of pressure on my poor husband that like, hey, I got two days off a week. I want a horse show. I want to do this with my horse. I want to go take a lesson. So even for me for lessons and stuff, it's like I have to haul out on on a Saturday for a lesson. Yeah, you know? that's the time that I have. But I still I still manage to fit in for three to four days a week. And I'm pretty happy with that. Like if I get yeah. four days a week, I, I feel accomplished and I feel good about it. So, but it's, it's a struggle. There are definitely days where, you know, I plan to ride. I, I text my barn manager like, Hey, leave Mikey and don't turn him out. I'm going to try to ride. And then news happens and I don't get there, you know? So there are definitely days like that's that. That's life. Yeah. That's why I'm a full board person through and through, you know, like I just, (laughs) I can't be responsible for my horse with my job. So I think that's the worst part. Like, cause so it's only been since November that I've really been, you know, taking care of them all by myself. And I think that's the worst part. It's like, oh, even if I don't feel like getting up and doing this today, I have to (laughs) like, cause no one else will do it. It's just, yeah. 
just that's us. the one thing I miss about boarding. I do miss that. Man, that's how I feel about my chickens. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm up, up in time, I can hear them screaming at me from my bedroom. <laughs> that's also a child. <laughs> just pointing out. Aaron's like, oh, I'm going to sleep in. I'm like, I don't know what that definition is. Thanks. That's funny. Oh, my goodness. 536 o'clock. Hudson, mom. I'm like, I'm coming. <laughs> it's actually it's actually dad. It's Doug. He's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to take credit for that one. Yeah. My dog is great because I got her like right before my last year of college. So she will sleep all day long. Like she just doesn't care. She's like the laziest dog. You'd think she was like 80 years old, but she's only two. You know, but my we my boyfriend got a pit bull mix puppy and he's so annoying. I tell him to take him out because I just can't deal with it. That's awesome. That's funny. Equine elixirs offer two all natural proprietary blend supplements. Ulcer Racer is a forage based blend that supports equine gastric health and ulcer prevention. And Positude is an orally fed liquid that helps eliminate undesirable behaviors associated with hormonal imbalances in mares, geldings, and stallions. Both are effective, affordable, and safe to use in competition horses at the FEI and USEF levels. Visit equineelixirs.com for more information. So guys, in the Heels Down Brief, we've been talking a lot about therapies. I just wanted to know like, what kind of therapies you guys use with your horses. So I'll start this one. We've talked about in the past about like what we've done with, you know, lasers or ultrasounds or whatever once we have some sort of a problem. But the only thing we really do to kind of prevent the problem is we walk our horses a ton. But as in like kind of therapies, we use the um, horse vibe magnetic, not magnetic blanket, but it like vibrates and it's just a mesh blanket that we put on the horses during competitions and stuff. And then daily at home, our horses love the Theraplate. Have you guys every, used the Theraplate? I love the Theraplate too, but you do it every day, huh? Every day. Ours would march to it. So, I mean, and when were their home? So think about every day when they're home. So like three, four days a week on mm. average. So um, I'd say on average, they're getting four to five days a week on it. And they just go, especially our top forces. They go on it as much as we can. Like they go, I think 15, 20 minutes on it every morning before they go on. And I'm telling you the horses at first, we like built this whole wall. So they'd stand there and we could put a hay net. I mean, even now Quinn, who's like the most skeptical horse on the planet, Van Diver, he will like march up there and stand by himself. I mean, obviously we have like Courtney or somebody hold him just so that he doesn't get loose. I mean, if it was up to me, I'd probably just leave my horse like PJ. Hey, go buddy. You just hang out there. (laughs) And then when he, when he runs loose, I'd be like, I don't know why he left guys, but I'm really bad at losing loose horses, but they love, love the Theraplate. Well, that's so cool. I've used it too. I I think it's really interesting. It took my horse like a minute to relax, you know, like the first couple of times he's like, what is this? But then, but you get the yawning, you get the chewing and you could just see him relax. So obviously it's doing something right. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I think at the beginning, they're just not a hundred percent sure what's happening, but then once they take that deep breath, like I said, the Van Diver horse is very much a worrier. And so once they take the deep breath and they realize, oh, it is a calming thing. Like they just like it and enjoy it. And I think it honestly makes their whole body feel better. So it helps them. So I don't know. That's the only thing we really do 
therapy wise. But so tell me more about the blankets. They they have like this similar movement where it's like constantly moving their muscles that you same thing. Yeah, so same thing. So but we just take it on the road because our therapeute doesn't come on the road with us. These come into the you can put them in a backpack. They come actually in a backpack. And it's a mesh blanket. And instead of the magnetic blankets and all this, it is a strip that basically vibrates and you put it and it's on their neck, back, rump area, like hindquarters. And it just goes along the top line. Basically, there's like three sections for each side you can do and you turn it on. It's a long strip. And same thing. Once the horses kind of realize like it's like a calming thing that they relax and their muscles like kind of get warmed up that we do it as pre dressage kind of like routine. And so how long do they wear them for like 15, 20 minutes, 20 minutes. And it's already timed. So like when you, you set it is on a timer. And so then the light turns on and it cuts off automatically. What's the brand again? Horseware makes it. It's Horseware. the same like those ice vibes that we were talking about oh, okay. um, that we use. So the ice boots are the same thing. They have a vibrating thing with the ice pack underneath them. This is an entire blanket for their body. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's do you, really easy. Do you do the TheraPlate and this blanket like only before rides or like after rides as well? So we'll do both of them after, like if they're a bit sore, we'll put the blanket back on. It's mainly like rule of thumb for us is we use, and we've done opposite obviously, but like the TheraPlate's what we do at home and the blankets on the road just for convenience purposes. Gotcha. What about you, Ellie? Yeah, I was going to say, what do you guys use? I, I've always wanted to try a TheraPlate. I mean, I have a lot of friends on Facebook that like always post pictures of their horses, like falling asleep on them, but I don't have one and I've never tried one, but I want to. My guys just see chiropractor, like a horse chiropractor every six months. And they used to get acupuncture with chiropractic work like right after. But this new guy that I've been using since I've moved doesn't do acupuncture, but he does like a more intense kind of chiropractic work. And then he gives me like some stretches to do like pre and post rides. So they just kind of get that like just as like to make sure that they're adjusting and I'm not working them, you know, when something's sore and they're substituting it with something else, you know? What about you, Justine? So I'm sort of like you, Ellie, where my horse sees a chiropractor regularly. And then when he started, well, when he stopped sweating, I went to a a vet that is certified in acupuncture and chiropractic work and homeopathy. And so she got me way hooked on acupuncture because that's the only thing that helped my horse when he stopped sweating. So now that is something that is fairly routine. He probably gets three to four sessions a year and it it's made a huge difference in just his like his overall body shape has completely changed. I mean, it's sort of amazing when I think about like from start to now, how it's really helped him kind of like fill into himself and, and kind of like build muscle correctly in certain areas. And then I'm a big back on track and Draper therapies person. I, I like the cellulant type fiber that Draper therapy uses. So like when we're, when we're at a horse show, he, you know, my horse is always in that, those kinds of wraps or the, I have the back on track quick, quick brutes, but I really love my Saratoga polo wraps from Draper therapies. I use them all the time now. And I, I really feel like it makes a difference. He's off the track, so he's got his. He's got like big ankles. He's got some wind puffs, and I notice a, a huge difference when the Draper therapy wraps come off. We um, love, yeah, same thing. Ours are wrapped in those at Orsha's the same. Like it, we love the back on track Draper therapy stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I just noticed that makes a huge difference in stocking up when he has to be stuck in a stall at a horse show, you know, that kind of thing. It, and it just... honestly, it's way easier than using poultice or anything else. Exactly. It, yeah, not no a mess. messy either. <laughs> it's, oh, I mean, I, I can't tell you the last time I poulticed a horse because we haven't needed to since that kind of stuff has started to come out. Like, you don't need it. Exactly. I mean, unless there's like a certain situation, but we haven't come across that yet. But that's pretty much it for me. You know, I know there's there's so many things to pick, like, to choose from. Like, from even CBD, like we talked about earlier. I know plenty of people who, like, swear by it. But I guess if you're going to compete in the USCF-sanctioned horse shows. Can't no, use it. Not anymore. But I know people who swear by PM or PEMF, like the MagnaWave stuff. I've never personally used it. It seems interesting to me, but I've I've never used it. But I know people who, like, seriously swear by it. I know people who love magnetic blankets. You know, there's a lot. There's a lot out there. There's a lot out there. Yeah, I think you gotta always the old school stuff too. Like um, a lot of the times at horse shows, I'll just take a couple tennis balls um, and just like work. You know, my horse's different muscles. You know, before they ride and stuff. And because if they're standing and they can't, like if I'm just hand walking, you know, they're not used to turnout, and that helps just to loosen them up. Oh yeah, that's cool. Absolutely. So I I guess my only advice, obviously, I'm not a professional, but because there's so much stuff out there, I feel like, you know, one, talk to your vet about what your horse can can benefit from, right? Before you spend money on something that, you know, and because vets will know if it's proven to work, you know, versus something that like supplements sometimes, right? Like you don't know if, if the science behind it is real. So Ask somebody who's a professional before you spend money. That would be my advice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for anything, really. (laughs) So, guys, guess what time it is? Rose and Thorn. Rose and Thorn. So, Ellie or Justine, do you guys have yours? Or I can start. I actually have mine this time. So, why don't you start? I need a minute. Yeah, you go. Okay, I'll start. So, I'm really excited about my Rose. Next week, we. Like I told you guys earlier in the episode, our event horses take precedent on a schedule. So we have to do certain events to get to it. And then we overlap the jumpers. And most of the time it's, you know, Aiken or Tryon. And sometimes we'll go to Kentucky or something. But we have not actually added Brownlin, um, the horse show that I grew up next to. It's like five minutes from my parents' house. And we actually got to fit it into our calendar this year. So we are going to Brownland next weekend. So like my entire family's coming to the Grand Prix. My aunt and uncle are coming. Like it's going to be so much fun. So I am super excited that next weekend we are going to like my hometown horse show. That's so cool. Yeah. So it'll be fun. So I'm, I'm super, super excited about that. And then my thorn is that, this heat is coming in really fast. And so I'm trying to like, these guys we were talking about earlier scheduling my like days are like shortening up because you can't teach from like noon to like four right now. So I'm trying to like manage my schedule and like also what we do with Hudson because he can't go outside because it's too hot. So it's like just trying to figure out what to do with this weather that's coming in with an active child. Oh, it's crazy. It's so like, it was 94 degrees here over the weekend. It's going to be a hundred on Monday. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's crazy. That's horrifying. I'm like, it'd be fine if like you could just 
in the old days, we'd just go take a nap. It was amazing. <laughs> like we'd literally all days we'd like wake up at five 30, we'd ride all the horses and we'd be done by like 1130. We'd go to Maria's, the Mexican restaurant. That's so good. And then we go take like a three hour nap and it was incredible. And then we go to bed at like five 36 o'clock and start over again. But we, life life's changed so now we got to figure out how to do it (laughs) that's funny oh my goodness so did you figure out yours yeah yeah i can go so my rose which doesn't really involve me but for mother's (laughs) day my brother my brother is in the coast guard and he's been super cool yeah he's been in the coast guard for two years so actually it was really sweet he was in basic training like right leading up to my wedding and we were I was so freaked out that he wasn't gonna make it in time yeah yeah to be home for my wedding and he was able to fly in the night before it was crazy like the timing of it was amazing just that he was able to fly home from basic training his graduation and be there for my wedding and then he shipped out the next week to Guam so my my brothers lived in Guam for the last two years and um it's been really hard on my parents. You know, we've all, both of us have always lived in Florida. We went to school in Florida. We've never, we've always been just a couple hours away, right? So to have Matt be two out or two for two years be that far away has been really tough on my parents. And so my parents just left on literally on Mother's Day to go and meet him in Thailand. And oh. Yeah, so they're on this like amazing vacation. And unfortunately, my husband and I did not go. We have a another trip planned for next month and I just couldn't do both but I like I'm just looking at their pictures and we talked to them on the phone and I'm just I'm really happy for all of them and I miss Matt and he's coming back to the states in July thank goodness so that's my rose that I'll probably see my brother soon yeah and then my thorn is that man I got bucked off last (gasps) week oh (laughs) oh And it's, it sucked big time. So like the last horse I had, she was like a schoolmaster hunter was in her late teens. You know what I mean? Like I had her for years, but I just, I like, I not what I never fell off of her. Not once during the time that I owned her. And then now I have this big, dumb green thoroughbred and he's, he's probably bucked me off four times. You know, it's not, not terribly often but enough to be like man i do not bounce like i used to bounce i you know like this when i get bucked off it hurts and he just he's been really good he's not really a naughty horse he just i think was feeling good and we're schooling flying lead changes and he's like you know he's not 100 percent there but he's getting it so they're very exuberant now you know what i mean (laughs) hold on lady but so he so what happened was we were like he came out of his stall super quiet we warmed up for 20 minutes, totally quiet, no problem. Started to jump, took a jump, landed on the wrong lead. I asked for the the lead change in the corner, and that's the last thing I remember. So oh, um, no. and he he's just he's he's big, you know, he's like 17 hands, he's real bouncy. I mean, he he can buck pretty damn good when he wants to buck, and he's got some springs, so and I just wasn't anticipating it. And he I just like was projectile lawn dirt dart over his ears into the ground, you know. Oh. So that's not fun no and i haven't been bucked off like that in a good long while you know it was like a good reality check moment for me of like yeah this can be kind of dangerous sometimes you know i should get my uh get my crap together here and but i i i was hurting i hurt for days i'm still like i bet but i was like i was like this sucks (laughs) so 
literally like just now my horse chiropractor on Facebook was like, I'm going to bring the table out for you on Saturday. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. Yay. I'd be like, yay, sign me up. Yeah. So that's my thorn is don't get bucked off because it sucks. Ellie. What about you, Ellie? <laughs> oh, so my rose is actually, it, it could be a thorn, but it's a rose. So my boyfriend and I rescued this like Rocky Mountain pony back in Aww. November and I mean, he was real messed up. Like he'd never had his teeth done. He was riddled with ulcers. His oh. feet were like nine months without being done. And like he was left without water for three weeks in the winter. Oh gosh. Um, oh, my gosh. And his owner said, oh, he can eat snow. I'm like, uh, he no. must have because he's still alive. But um, <laughs> that's not something I recommend. But anyway, so we rescued him. And then I ended up giving him away to a friend down in North Carolina who is about 72 and just wanted something she could ride around. Uh, she actually lives in Aiken, Jess, um, oh. you know, just ride around with friends. And it ended up like just, he ended up once he felt better being too much horse war. So he actually came back, but he gets along so well with all of my like herd. And he's just like, he's just a good, like sweet, sweet horse to have around. So I have a lawn ornament now but you know he's he's a good guy to have around. So he's a he's a rose. Um, my thorn, however, is that now that it's warm, I have to wash blankets, <laughs> and that is gonna suck. How do you do so, it, by the way? What are your like? What are your tried and true methods of washing a blanket? Okay, so I'm kind of bad, and like when I was in college, I just used the washers in the dorms, which got me in trouble a couple times. Um, but so. When I still lived at home, like we had a big washer and we actually like, destroyed it, like from washing blankets, like the horse hair just like clogged it. And we had to. So anyway, my mom has to get a new washer from years <laughs> washing horse blankets. So, yeah, we go and we use like just the really super big ones at the um, laundromats. But you have to be careful because some laundromats are like really annoyed about like horse hair. So like I usually have to bring like Clorox wipes and just like get all the hair out afterwards. So that's what I have to do. So it'll be like an excursion, a whole day thing, um, which is going to suck. But I mean, at least I don't have to put blankets on. So that's the positive side of that. That is the positive. All right. So I got a really good mailbag for us uh, this week that I'm going to read to you guys. And then I'm, I'm really excited to hear what advice you have for TJ, who sent us an email. And he said, as an experienced serious amateur without a horse, how do you find and evaluate potential barns in a new city? I'm 29 years old and just finished graduate graduate school. I rode eventers, jumpers to the prelim meter 115 level in high school, sold my gelding sophomore year of undergrad to focus on school. After about five years out of the saddle, I was lucky enough to get a free lease on a mare during my two years of grad school and brought her from just hacking around and doing trails to third level dressage. Now I'm moving to a new city for a new job in about a month, and I'm looking for advice on finding a new place to ride. Ideally, I'm looking for a lease situation for a few months before buying a greenie of my own. I'm torn between pri uh, prioritizing finding something to ride now versus finding the, the best place to board and train when I actually buy my own horse. To make it a little bit more complicated, TJ is six foot four, so... And TJ is going to be working a pretty demanding job. So they're looking for advice from us on one, how to good, find a good barn, but should they be looking for, you know, the best place to board and train, or should they be looking for a place to lease, you know, lease a horse first for someone who's moving to a new city and is going to have a demanding job? So mine would be try to find the barn first, honestly, because 
I think that's going to be the harder thing. I know that, yes, with your height and everything else, it's harder because you're taller. But I think at the same time, like if you find the right situation, then they can help you guide and kind of find the right horse. So I would start kind of searching for barns to like start to take lessons at, because then they might have something that you could lease or be able to find you something to lease or, you know, do kind of a half lease sort of situation. So mine would be my personal kind of gut feeling is that you should go try to find, cause maybe your first barn isn't, you know, you don't luck out at barn number one, that it takes you a couple and you don't want to move the horse around and around and around. So I would try out a couple different barns and find what fits your situation. And then you're not basically committed to a situation with your busy schedule. That's good advice. What about you, Ellie, as someone who recently graduated, who's dealing with grad school now, how did you fit in horses before you, you know, bought your own barn? Yeah. So I would have to agree with Jess about like finding the barn and more specifically, I think like the trainer too, because yeah, I mean, we all know like, you know, people in the horse industry can talk a really big game, you know, and I think it's important to find somebody that you like connect with on like just a genuine, like, you know, outlook on horses and, you know, the training style. I think that's more important than kind of finding something to do in the meantime. Um, so that would, I would agree with Jess about trying to find a place where, you know, you connect with the trainer and the barn itself and you like the horse care and stuff. And, and like you said, um, you know, Jess, they could really help you find something to lease or they could, you know, find you the greenie that you're looking for. Yeah. What do you I def- think, Justine? I definitely agree with both of you. I had, I took a, a very dumb young college student route when I was poor and didn't have a horse. I sold my horse when I was in college and then was looking for things to ride. And I was lucky to have the barn where I, you know, I brought my horse in college that they, you know, offered me things to ride. So I definitely agree. Like having a barn family is pretty important and those people look out for you and they'll help you find those connections. But then I was also stupid and responded to Craigslist ads and rode all kinds of crazy psycho horses and (laughs) showed up to like addresses that I just plugged into my GPS, hoping I wouldn't be axe murdered. And it worked out. You know, I I got connected with dressage trainer I ended up working for because I responded to her Craigslist ad. I ended up working for a Hanoverian breeder who gave me a horse because I rode all her, her crazy young horses and I just responded to an ad on Craigslist. So I made really interesting connection, connections that way. I don't necessarily recommend that to people because the internet is a weird place and you can't trust anybody. <laughs> so, I, But as someone who has bounced around from city to city for my career and was horseless for most of that until I made enough money that I could actually finally have a horse, finding the community there of you know trustworthy horse people is the most important thing. So once you get settled in the new city, I would just like, schedule lessons with like five different trainers yeah check check out their barns explain to them your situation what you're looking for and figure out who you click with and those people are going to be the the ones that help you because the network is really important yeah absolutely so good luck tj whatever you do you'll be fine just bring pepper spray if you go the craigslist route yeah So, and if you have a question for us, you guys can always send us an email at hello at heelsdownmedia.com, or you can join our Facebook group, which is the Heels Down Happy Hour podcast. 
And if you want to hear from more from us, please subscribe to the Heels Down Brief at bit.ly slash hdbrief. And please, if you love our show, leave us a review on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play, or wherever you listen to this podcast. And we want to say thank you to this week's partners, which is Flare Strips, Eco Gold, and Equine Elixirs. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Cheers. 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 Cheers.